Welcome to the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Let's join our geeky hosts on this week's episode. And welcome to another episode of Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. The podcast where the geeks drink a beverage or two or three or four or five or... Okay, we haven't got that heavy yet. <laughs> Several. <laughs> Several beverages of the adult nature. And we discuss our geek topic of the week. I'm your host, Matt. I'm Adam. And before we jump into this week's discussion, let's start off by telling you where to find us, Adam. Uh, you can like, subscribe, comment, review us, uh, send us your thoughts on our topics. Um, just follow us on all of our social media po- platforms, at Geek Drink Pod. Yes. We post weekly updates on our topics. We start discussions on our geek culture events. Uh, we have a Discord going. Discord. Sorry, Discord. Discord going. <laughs> Uh, at Geek Drink Pod as well, where we uh, talk about our weekly topics, some pop culture events, some stuff like The Last of Us coming on, Picard, um, you name it, we'll probably get, you know, yeah. we'll start chatting on it. That sounds, uh, that sounds great, but yeah, just let us know what you want to talk about. Yeah. So with that out of the way, let's discuss our drink of the week. Grab your beverage and join along as the geeks discuss the drink of the week. Alright, and so this week, Adam, we are drinking the Sipping Pretty Tropical Sour Mm -hmm. from Odell. Yes, and it has a very adorable sloth on the front of my can. Yeah, so it's a sour ale. It's got some pineapple, passion fruit, tangerine, and Himalayan pink sea salt. So, vacation vibes yep. included in every sip. Local beer. I do I do like their sipping pretty sipping uh yeah, sipping pretty normal drink. Mm-hmm. They have this tropical and they have a lemonade version too, which is really oh. good. Oh, so. we'll have to try the lemonade version. Yeah. Well. So, cheers. Cheers, brother. Ooh. I guess it's not overly sour. It's not. I definitely get the tangerine and the pineapple. I definitely get the pineapple on that yeah. one. So. You know who makes a really good pineapple? Mm. Cider. Ace uh, Cidery. Oh, really? They make a pineapple cider. Oh. I have it to is check that out. Delicious. Well, I'll, I'll pick up another <laughs> six pack for the next time we do another recording because that's right. my favorite cider out there. Okay. Um, so now that you've heard us talk about our drink of the week, guys, um, we've wetted our whistles. We are, we are lubricated and moist. 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 I think three is enough. Yeah. All right. <laughs> We're going to dive right into our topic of the week. What are the geeks going to talk about this week? And this week, it wraps up our February. It yep. wraps up our theme month. Adam, what month is it? Uh, it was start February off right with Edgar Wright, but we are going to finish February off right with Edgar Wright. You've been sitting on that all month, haven't you? Oh, yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> this episode comes out on the 28th, and Adam's been sitting there for 28 days just going, I have it, I have it, I have it. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> so, Adam, um, go ahead and introduce our Edgar Wright Ending film. Yes. So, this is um, my personal uh, favorite of his. Um, Edgar Wright has had a fantastic career, has put out amazing films, and uh, this one, I think, is his uh, magnum opus. I think it is his... uh, It's a perfect film, in my eyes, and this is Baby Driver. Baby Driver. All right. So, Baby Driver is a 2017 film produced by, uh, or distributed by Sony Pictures. Yep. Um, TriStar is part of it. It's a pretty big American film. Um, last we talked last week um, with Edgar Wright's American distribution producing debut of Scott Pilgrim, which was not well received. Baby Driver, on the other hand, was very well received. Critically, and then... How, like, I don't even know how well it did financially, but it did. I don't um, really they, care. So they had a $34 million budget, Adam, and they raked in uh, almost $230 million. Oh, there you go. So, so 
critically and financially well received yeah. by the world. <laughs> so we've got another um, pretty good high A-list cast here. Um, you've got Ansel uh, Elgort. Yeah, Ansel Elgort. You got Lily James. Yep. Um, Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. I mean. We're going to have to talk about Kevin Spacey and, well, and the we'll, Elephant in the Room. We'll have to get into that. But you got, like, John Hamm. You got Jamie, Jamie Foxx. Fox. Yeah. Um, you got uh, such a great pool of talent. Um, well, and you've not only got a great pool of talent from the actors, you've got a great pool of talent from the music. And we'll get into that here in a little bit. Um, but, yeah, this is, I mean, a hell of a cast. You've got... Eliza Gonzalez, um, you may have seen her from from Dust Till Dawn. Uh, and I believe... Oh, and she was just in an ambulance movie with... Um, oh, the Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal movie. movie, yeah. 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 Um, but, uh, I think, um, just fun bit of trivia, I think she was in um, the running to play Wonder Woman. Oh. Um, but the part went to Gal Gadot. So, no uh, complaints there. I mean, um, I would have. Maybe she can still do it now yeah. that everything's being <laughs> revamped. Well, and rebooted. now he's saying he's not. He's still open to having Gal Gadot and Jason Momoa back. So you don't know. Uh, well, I mean, I think they're kind of James Gunn is having to kind of backtrack a lot. Like, and almost, I don't think it's him. I think it's Warner Brothers because I know Gal Gadot, Jason Momoa. Ben Affleck were all bringing like lawsuits. Oh yeah, against Warner Brothers. So it kind of. Anyway. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> then you've got like we said, Lily James. Um. May know her from Downton Abbey. Um. She was just in the Pammy and Tom series as Pam Pamela yeah. Anderson. She played. Uh. She was in the Cinderella movie. Was she? Or. Yeah. No, she was in Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. But the second one. My favorite one is Yesterday. I was just pulling that up. That's such a good movie. We're going to get into that later. Yeah, that might be... If you haven't seen it, that might... I might jump the gun and have that just be my record. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss that later. Um, yeah, so a huge cast. I mean, Kevin Spacey, um, despite everything that's going on with him publicly and and, and so on and so forth... At the time, huge actor, House of Cards, yeah. American Beauty, you name it, he's he's done it. The yeah. only thing he was really bad in was Superman Returns. But I see, think, I didn't mind Superman Returns. Just, uh, I mean, it wasn't necessarily... Like, I felt like it was a continuation of the Christopher Reeve, like well, Superman. Like it's, it takes place between two and three. Yeah, it's, and it it kind of just felt like it's a fantasy casting. That we would normally do, just not a good script. Yeah, so, but that is not what we're talking about today. We're talking about Baby Driver. Yeah. And first off, um, thank you ladies and gentlemen um, for listening. We're um, gonna, we're, we're just gonna kick this off and um, uh, talk about, so Baby Driver starts off with the character, Baby. Yeah. Played by Ansel uh, Elgort. Um, you may know him from the Divergent series, playing the brother to the uh, main character. I have no idea. Oh. I um, haven't watched Divergent. He's playing Caleb Pryor. Yeah, but I know he uh, his uh, most recent one was West Side Story. So. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, so go ahead, Adam, take away. Baby yeah, is, so, our, is, our, is our main character. Yeah, so uh, Baby is a, he's a getaway driver. Yeah. For a group of... Bank robbers, or... Led other, by Kevin Spacey, yeah. Led by Kevin Spacey. Um, he has tinnitus in um, due to a car accident when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And he uses music to kind of drown the tinnitus out. But the kid can drive. <laughs> and so um, he's trying to pay off a debt... To Kevin Spacey's character. Um, Kevin Spacey caught him trying to steal his car. Yeah. Um, and in order to pay off this debt, he's like, hey, you need to work for me for, like, I'll give you some money, but 
what whatever you need to pay off what you've done you have to pay off this and uh baby just wants to get out of the game yep he wants to pay his debt off and be done yeah but of course once you're in you're kind of in um yeah and that happens you know after the first heist in in that for in in the opening sequence he's now paid his debt off and he is he's ready to make a clean life you know he starts delivering pizza um He's dating someone. He's taking care of his. Is it his dad or his foster or dad? Foster it's, father. It's kind of foster father. Um, who's, who's also deaf. Who's deaf? Yeah. Um, I, should, I shouldn't say also because baby's not deaf. Yeah. Um, but because uh, so baby's father or and mother both got killed in this car accident mm-hmm. that gave him the tinnitus, and his mom always had a huge love for music. Yeah, and he uses his i his iPod, um, multiple iPods. <laughs> yeah, with tons of music on it, just as a way of his uh, handling the tinnitus and, and soothing himself. Yeah, because he, I mean, he's he's going through some stuff, and but ultimately he's he's a good person. He wants to get out of this life of crime, but because he's such a, a skilled. Getaway driver. They keep pulling him back in, and you kind of realize that yeah, Kevin Spacey is very manipulative, and oh yeah, even though he kind of makes up for like tries to help out at the very end, but still, it's like he's he took a kid that um was this young guy and. Totally, like, pushed him into a corner. Kind of like what he did in real life. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> that's the joke. Um, anyway, but, yeah, so, that's kind of where we're at. Um, he meets, so Baby meets this uh, this waitress, played by um, Lily James, um, who also has an affinity for music. Yep. Um they kind of fall in love, but of course he doesn't, he can't tell her. No, he can't tell her about his past. Yeah, and he doesn't want her to be involved. No. Um, but so. she does get involved. Spoiler. She does. Um, but yeah, then uh, you meet corrupt cops, you meet other they, people. Um, no, bats. Oh, bats. Oh, so... Jamie Foxx plays a character by the name of Bats, who is insane. Um, very, very um, trigger-happy, to say yes. the least. Um, but it, like, one of my favorite roles that I've seen uh, Jamie Foxx in, as of kind of recently, like, he, he was great in the uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, but this one was definitely a role where he was very scary like in terms of his presence oh yeah it was everything he did like he was kind of terrifying and unpredictable and that's why they called him bats um because he's batshit crazy um but uh the one thing i really wanted to get into is um so like we all have kind of talked about this all month how Edgar Wright uses like he's has this ability, and I believe the term is called mise en scène, um, where he creates like everything in the scene is really important. And, oh yeah, um, and he has done that from the beginning. Everything has been like been excellent. But the thing I love about this is not only are these shots well composed and all inform you about everything going on? This one was the big one where I noticed how the music really oh, I hit mean, you. I think maybe one thing that makes this movie so well regarded and critically acclaimed is the music. Yes, but also certain things line up with the music. Like oh yeah, gunshots follow the beat of the song 
sirens follow the guitar yeah. riffs. The engine revving follows guitar riffs. Yeah, the it's, sound engineering this, in this movie is phenomenal. It's flawless. It is... I mean, I know we talked last week about Scott Pilgrim, and, and that one had like, oh yeah, a lot of cool songs and all that, and then they would use like music as weapons, but this one was ridiculous because yeah like they'd be firing gunshots to the beat of the song you're listening to or he'd be using wiper blades and <laughs> to uh bell bottoms was the first song um and that one was uh kind of he's just sitting in the car dicking around but you kind of feel like you have this connection to music, not only that baby has, but you also have it from the visual style of the film yeah. and, and the beats of the movie. Everything follows this soundtrack. And um, so that was kind of the my biggest takeaway. Um, and then I don't know if you noticed uh, like the start of the film kind of starts with the sound of tinnitus. Yeah, it does. And it's then got a little music. bit of that ringing, and then yeah. he turns on the iPod, and it just... And that's, so, it just goes to show you that Edgar Wright cares. And I know we've talked about like how his films are all kind of like love letters to genres that he really enjoys. And so... This one is the bank heist criminal movie. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so it's just, uh, it's just fantastic. I can't, I can't even get back to it. Like, every time I watch it, I just have to, like, leave it on. Because, and I even own the soundtrack on vinyl. <laughs> so, actually, a, a very interesting note mother's film so very well curated music um everything is a pre-existing song the only songs that are not pre-existing that are original was the uh chase me song yes done by danger mouse and big yeah. boy yeah so some of those yeah they were they were kind of done but yeah everything else was done by Queen, the Beach Boys, the Commodores, I mean, some huge name bands. Yeah. Um, so it's, a, it, and I mean, I know uh, one of my favorite ones is uh, the cover of Easy that his mom sings. Okay, yeah. That was a, a very beautiful moment. But this film was always and I think Edgar Wright does a pretty good job of balancing action, drama, comedy. There are some hilarious moments in this film, like starting with the first heist where um, uh, all the bank robbers get in the car and the guy in the front seat points forward and he does this backwards reverse J-turn. Yeah. And it's just sort of Edgar Wright always kind of keeps you on your toes and you laugh you feel things yeah I mean <laughs> it's it weird and and not to give anything away and and beleaguer any point I think the biggest plot twist in this film for me is the ending okay how so and it's not a bad thing it's just you know the fact that baby does go to jail Usually in these yeah. heist movies, look at the look at the Italian job for just a quick reference. Yeah. They always get away. They they elude the cops. They yeah. they sail off into the sunset and have a happy ending. And they and, and they allude to this in this movie. But the fact that Baby does go on trial and does get twenty five years of prison time for committing all these crimes. Yeah, but does it get like reduced or something? He has it's twenty five years, and if I recall, it's like five years till he can apply for probation. Yeah. Because everyone came to his defense. Yeah, because saying, he didn't go kill people. He was just the driver. Yeah, but he was just 
everyone was like, he's a good kid who just got into a bad situation and he couldn't get out. Um, That's what every kid said with Kevin Spacey. Oh, God. Apparently people are saying that about Ansel Elgort now. He's such a... I'm I'm just leaving that one alone. Uh, It's all alleged. (laughs) Allegedly. (laughs) We're not getting into that. Um, So it's kind of just weird that everyone... There were a lot of people in this film that (laughs) didn't behave well. Just just two. Yeah. I mean, you can always argue that maybe Jamie Foxx is... is you know, like... Jimmy Fox. Yeah, but it, it just is weird. But um, let's get into um, John Hamm's character. Okay. A little bit. Um, so John Hamm kind of plays... Uh, he plays a character codenamed Buddy. Um, um, so he's a Wall Street banker, and now he's a thief. Correct. Um, who, because of drugs. Yeah, who is... His partner is Darling. Um, and, uh, he kind of comes off almost as a buddy. Well, <laughs> to, so, to Baby Driver. And I know Edgar Wright talks about it in some of the commentary of the film. He wrote the character and designed the character to kind of evoke Steve McQueen and that kind of cool, suave yeah. intellect. And he actually, like, defends Baby against uh, bats and a lot of stuff. Not only from the verbal abuse, the physical abuse, but he then kind of becomes the unhinged, like, main, like, villain, if you will. Like, he is the one who... After, um, spoilers, so he loses his partner due to the heist going not so well. Yeah. Because Baby grows a conscience and is like, I can't, I can't sit here and watch, like, this postal worker die because Bats is insane. But it throws everything off. Yeah. And so he... Things go crazy, but John Hamm becomes the unhinged one. Yeah, which is kind of a fun little, I wouldn't say plot twist, but definitely a a misdirection a little bit in the way the film kind of feels that the way Bats acts through the entire movie, you feel like it's going to come down to him versus Baby. Yeah. But I think it almost works better where John Hamm had this sort of buddy relationship because yeah they baby and buddy had worked multiple heists together yeah and i th- and it works in such a way that it it's not a very oh my god it subverted the expectation kind of scenario surprise ending it was just subtle enough for you to go huh but it okay. kind of hits you in the stomach a little bit harder, right? Because if it did come down to Jamie Foxx as Bats versus Ansel Elgort as Baby, you'd be like, oh. I saw that coming at the he, beginning of the movie. He's unhinged. Yeah. He's crazy. He's bat, like, yeah, like I said, batshit crazy. We saw that coming when he was inadvertently in a diner eating where... Baby's girlfriend works and threatening to kill her so he doesn't have to pay on the bill. Yeah. But having John Hamm, his character kind of, who has been sticking up for Baby, they even like similar music, all that, become the one who's like, I'm going to do this to you now and I'm going to, I'm going to come for you. Yeah. I, I think that hit a lot harder um, than it would have if you just had bats come after him. And so I think uh, that just goes back to Edgar Wright being 
a very good writer and understanding characters and all that, so. No, no, I, I agree with you, and I think it was, like I said, it's a good way to subvert the expectation of a traditional heist movie. You look at, I, I, I bring it back, because it's a very, I wouldn't say well-regarded, but a lot of people have seen it as the Italian job. You go into it going, okay, Edward Norton's a bad guy. Edward yeah. Norton's a guy who turns on the team. We expect to see the showdown between Mark Wahlberg and Edward Norton. That's a given. Yeah. Here we've got, throughout the movie, you're thinking, okay, we're going to see Baby versus Bats. This is... Yeah, these two friends and... Yeah, it's just it's just going to happen at the end of the movie. Bats is going to do what Bats is going to do. Yeah. And Baby's going to have to defend either himself or Doc or his girlfriend. And all of a sudden, at the end of the movie, no, it's Buddy. Yeah. Just, just at 180. Yep. So, I I think that was great. Now, just kind of getting back to kind of the balance of comedy. Fun little trivia fact. So, one of the funniest mo- uh, parts of the film, in my opinion, um, is the Mike Myers mask. Um, apparently, so, and you can see it in the trailer. So, they could not get the rights to use the Michael Myers, like the Halloween mask. But Edgar Wright called Mike Myers and and he gave permission for them to use Austin Powers masks. So I will take your (laughs) trivia one step deeper. Go for it. The original Michael Myers mask. Do you Mm -hmm. know what it is? Oh yeah, it's a it's a William Shatner mask. Yeah. So, but but it's it's just one of my favorite things. Just like I said, get the Mike Myers mask. It's like this is Mike Myers. No, the mask for Halloween. This is a Halloween mask. mask. Oh, that was, that's probably one of my favorite comedic moments of that movie. Yes, um, but also all the driving in the film was all done practically. Oh yeah. And uh, you don't get a lot of that anymore in, like, your Fast and the Furious Okay, days. well, let's be honest. <laughs> Fast and the Furious isn't about driving anymore. It's about... It's about you're... family. It's about family. <laughs> it, no, Fast and Furious is no longer racing cool cars. It's now... How can we one up the last movie? Yeah, well... And... I don't know how you went up going into space uh, in a car. Um, Fast and Furious in space. Maybe maybe they won up it by having Fast and Furious versus the Chinese balloon. Oh, that could be good. I was thinking Fast and Furious in the multiverse. Like Quantum Mania. <laughs> Where Vin Diesel meets Groot. I am Groot. This is family. I am Vin Diesel. But I... I I feel like, uh, again, we go back to uh, Edgar Wright just being such a passionate filmmaker. He definitely wants to make the best movie he can. And he knows, like, I'm going to take care. I'm going to take time. Um, And you know what? Like, yeah, maybe he didn't think this movie was going to, like, make a ton of money or... Care. He just wanted well, to make a and movie. I, I don't say it made a ton of movie in compared to today's modern box office draws, where it's a billion dollars. Is, yeah, is, it's is it's not. He's not making Avatar: The Way of Water. No, he's not making Avenger level movie. Yes. Well, money. another fun fact he he was actually wrote. I was supposed to direct Ant Man. Yeah, and left because of. And we talked about that in the first, yeah. in the first one. But it's it's just kind of funny that he's just like, you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna... I want to do a film I want to make. Yeah. Um, and actually, I just... Right before you came over to record this episode, I was watching Ant-Man. Okay. In, in anticipation of Quantumania. Okay. Because uh, I'll, I'll probably see it this week. But it was just... You know, Edgar Wright wrote it, and so I could see his hand in a lot of things. Yes, yeah. Um, 
Although I think uh, Peyton Reed has done, he did a really great job with both the first one, the second one. Um, We'll talk about the third one when we see it. Yeah, I I think I might wait for something to just come out on Disney Plus. That's been your mo for the past few. You know, it's. I mean, there's a lot out there to consume, so I I understand. Also, like it's it gets kind of hard because I think there's. There is a lot of fatigue um, with certain franchises. Yeah, and Marvel maybe. With Marvel is kind of the big culprit with that one right now. But it's like even like they release like whatever Fast, the new Fast and the Furious trailer. Fast X. <laughs> Fast X. But I'm like I don't. I don't care. I haven't seen like the past three. <laughs> I'm done. I've seen them in. I've seen them in theaters, but it's just because it's that. Spectacle now, which is what Marvel is for me. Yeah, but but I will say, and I know we're off the rails a little bit. I am looking forward to Quantum Mania because it is setting up the next big bad bad. We've had kind of the aftermath of Endgame, and now we're kind of moving into this next the next big bad. Yeah, we'll see what that's like. Well, Um, anyway, (laughs) now that we've gone off the rails, Adam, let's go ahead and jump into our hot takes for Baby Driver. What are they going to say this week? Okay, so, um, I guess my hot take is, uh, um, Matt, like, what do you think, like, what movie do you think has the best soundtrack? Because I think Baby Driver has one of the best soundtracks ever. You know, it's it, it's up there. It's, it'd definitely be in my top three to five. Mm-hmm. Um, Armageddon has an amazing soundtrack. Yeah. I'm going to be a little fictitious here. Lame is has a great <laughs> soundtrack. <laughs> well, like, where do we go? Like, because, I mean, I guess you brought well, this up earlier where... Um, a lot of the songs on this soundtrack were from other artists. Which is, yeah. And then, like, but if we take away, like, maybe original compositions, um, we're, like, because, you know, like I said, like, Les Mis is... Obviously, so, it's it's a musical, so it's going to happen. It was all written um, for that. Yeah. Um, so, I think Armageddon's up there because there's only one original song for that entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the best song ever. It's yeah, it's it's an amazing song. I would say, oh, um, Guardians of the Galaxy, both Volume One and Two, and I'm sure Three, phenomenal soundtracks. Um, especially, you know, when when I walked into Guardians of the Galaxy for the first time, I had no idea what I was walking into. Mm-hmm. You saw the trailers, I. I didn't know any of the backstory of the Guardians of the Galaxy because I wasn't really a Marvel comic fan. I was mm-hmm. more in the DC Universe, but I've seen all the Marvel movies at that point. Yeah. And you've got Star-Lord dancing to 70s and 80s music, kicking little space rats, <laughs> singing to them like a microphone. Soundtrack-wise, it hit up there. Yeah. Um, I think another movie that soundtrack-wise is phenomenal, and we talked about it before the recording... Is the graduate? Yes, uh, the graduate is that's a classic, but it's all Simon and Garfunkel. So yeah, uh, and I think uh, like it's almost like if it felt like a lot of that was written for the film um, again. But uh, I don't know. Like for me, like I really enjoy uh, the newest Suicide Squad soundtrack, though it does have some of the. Original compositions by John Murphy, I believe. Um, and then uh, The Peacemaker Show. <laughs> really I, good... like, so I, guess I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, so. you, sh- you gotta check um, it out. I will have to, I have to keep thinking about other good 
movie soundtracks, but those are my top three right now. Yeah, there's just, like, for there. me, it's like, there are very few um, soundtracks or um, things I want to own on vinyl, because I'm kind of, I'm that kind of geek as well. Baby Driver is one I own. I own the Guardians of the Galaxy. I I have the Black Panther. The first Black Panther had an amazing soundtrack that too. That one was pretty good. Yeah, and that was like a lot of uh, Kendrick Lamar and mm-hmm. all that. And, so. and even just the original soundtrack. Not mm-hmm. even so much the songs they brought in, but just the the beats and the music and in, mm-hmm. in the in the background were just phenomenal. Yeah, it did definitely kind of made you feel part of the world and and just going back to baby driver i feel like the using the beats with the gunshots with like using the the strings with Ooh. the like with the ambulance <laughs> like it all felt i will nice. tell you right now if my wife was in the room with us right now what she would say would be the best movie soundtrack would be okay Tron Legacy. Oh, that one was really good. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is one I own as well on vinyl. So. <laughs> so, your hot take being, you know, let's try to name other... Just, yeah, just curious, like, what you okay. thought, like, what you think are good movie soundtracks. And, like, yeah, we can always say, like, yeah, we love Star Wars, we love Indiana Jones, but... James Bond. James Bond's pretty good, but Especially I just was with curious, each like original Bond movie. Yeah, I just was curious, like sort of this hodgepodge of other songs. Okay, how that kind of like what else we got? <laughs> so, so my hot take for you, Adam. Yes, and we talked about it a couple weeks ago when we talked about Hogwarts Legacy and people saying things or doing things. Do you? not consume that anymore. And so obviously we're going to we're going to talk about this for a minute. Um I don't want to do too much of a deep dive into this because it's been beat to death in the media. Yes. Do you like this movie less knowing what Kevin Spacey has done? See, or this, this Leslie is has done. This is this is hard because I I love this film. And I really did like Kevin Spacey as an actor. I think you almost have to separate it a bit. In the same way, it's just like, I love Braveheart. Do I like Mel Gibson as a person? Not really. But I can appreciate Kevin Spacey's performance. I've seen... Like a bunch of his films, but will I seek out his content anymore? Probably not. Well, I would say I wouldn't seek out any original content that he's making yeah. post allegations. I will still go back and watch some of his stuff he's done because, as an artist, I retrospect what he did for the art form. Yes. Um, this movie wasn't. I wouldn't say his a strong. Showing of his range. I mean, just was uh, doing yeah. his thing, but yeah. But I mean, look at his body of work before this. Look at American Beauty. Mm-hmm. Look at House of Cards on Netflix. Yeah. That was a phenomenal series. Yeah. And so I think it comes down to, like, for me, it's you can't deny, like, oh, yeah, like, he has a lot of talent. Like, he's a very talented performer um but at the same time it's kind of like I, don't, I would like to say that it doesn't some of this stuff doesn't tarnish it but at the same time sometimes it does but i'm not gonna stop watching baby driver because kevin spacey's a creep i'm not gonna stop watching braveheart because mel gibson's and anti-semitic anti-semitic asshole <laughs> I'll still watch that, but I don't know. It might kind of, it makes me think kind of twice about like, oh, maybe I don't want to see another thing. 
yeah. Kevin Spacey wants to do. But I think once you've kind of made something and put it out there and people really enjoy it, um, or you personally enjoy it, I don't think... I think we were kind of, yeah, we were talking about this with Hot Wars Legacy. It's like once you put something out there, you kind of almost, you should separate yourself from the creator. Because it's like, yeah, if. I think, I mean, you have a good point there. And I think, you know, when this came out, this is right before his allegations came public. And when I consumed this, it was pre that. So my thoughts on the movie and my thoughts on his role are what I thought of him before that. And so that's why I kind of separated pre-allegation and post-allegation. It's just like the whole... I can't think of his name. He played Hyde in that 70s show. Oh, um, I don't know his name off the top of my head. But But he's also a creep, apparently. Yeah. Allegedly. Will I stop watching that 70s show because of what he did? No. Will I support further media, whether he is found guilty or not, of his alleged crimes? Probably. Um, And that's my choice. But I won't let his actions taint what I viewed and what I enjoyed in the past. um, Because... I, I was viewing it through that certain lens at that time. With it, yeah. with this, he's not doing these kind of things. Yeah, it's like mentality. I st- yeah, I still will watch old Mel Gibson films, and I still enjoy them. Like Braveheart is one of my favorite films of all time, and I can watch that whenever. Um, yeah, I'm playing through Hogwarts Legacy, and I really enjoy Harry Potter. I don't... It, it gets to a point where, like, would I say, like, oh, if Mel Gibson never made another movie again, which he's probably not going to do, um, I'd be, like, I just probably won't seek out his content. Um, but I will continue to watch the stuff that I liked. Um, and, yeah, I mean... I just want it to be a thing where I'm not, like, feeling like I'm a criminal <laughs> for watching it or You're not. going to get get our podcast canceled for watching it. No. I just want to, like, that. It's, it's hard, but, I mean, I guess part of me tries to just separate myself from being like, this is content I... Well, and and for me, I think the easiest, and it's not easy, but I think the easiest way for me to separate the person and what the allegations are versus the artist and the art form is I don't know this person in a personal level. Oh, no. And so I find it, at least for me as a consumer of media, it's a little bit easier for me to distance myself from the persona, the, the person that's this actor or this musician, whoever it may be, mm-hmm. is outside of the media because I don't know them on a personal level. Yeah. Um, now, if it's someone I know on a personal level, and we've had this happen in our personal lives recently where we have mm-hmm. someone who did some pretty nasty, awful things, I know this person on a personal level, and so now I can pass judgment and yeah. and make informed decisions. And... and reference to Kevin Spacey or any of the other actors or actresses or whoever it may be who's done... Michael Jackson. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I'm not going to stop listening to Beat It because he was a creeper. Yeah. I I don't know them on a personal level, so I I don't have that personal connection to make that kind of judgment. Mm -hmm. Will I still, from my point of view, say I don't agree with their actions or I don't agree with their choices or... Or obviously, in some cases, the crimes they committed. Mm-hmm. But I can separate that because, I, like I said, I don't know them. Yeah, and I like for me, I'm just. Will it make it so I won't go see a Kevin Spacey film again? Maybe, yeah. Sure, but I'll still watch Beyond the Sea. I'll still watch Baby Driver because I guess. 
getting back to kind of what we were talking about is like maybe once content's out there, yeah, it's 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 no longer their stuff. It's it's unless we're, you're we're the Lucas, consumer. Unless you're George Lucas and you keep bringing it back and changing it. Oh my it. god, we gotta. That'll be a whole other <laughs> can of worms. And I know we keep saying that, but so real quick, let me let me back up. While we were having that whole discussion, I did pop into my head two other film soundtracks that I would, all right, yeah, go for would it. Say are top notch. Okay, Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump was good. Big Fish. Ooh, I liked Big Fish. Big Fish is probably one of. I, and I thought about it after we ended our podcast where we talked about like movies that we should be in everyone's collection. Big Fish is one of those movies. You know, I and I don't think Big Fish was as well-received as it should have been, but I think it's Tim Burton's last great film. Oh, yeah. Like, in just my opinion, I think great performances. Oh, Ian McGregor and Albert Finney are just top-notch. Oh, yeah. And Billy Kudrup, um plan um the sun yep was fantastic like like that that ending still gives me like i tear goosebumps yeah yeah but um and you can't go wrong when you have steve buscemi true but i think and i mean correct me if i'm wrong like i think this was tim burton's last great film i agree with you and we'll we'll, we'll definitely have to do a tim burton month yeah i mean because i liked like the Batmans, but um, and I liked the Edward Scissorhands, but I this was yeah, this I think last, it's his best one. I I would agree. Uh-huh. I mean, but I think his Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was garbage. All the Alice in Wonderlands were garbage. Sweeney Todd was okay. Didn't I? I, I passed on that one. Yeah, it's all right. Um, but. Like, if you want to talk about, like... Yeah, it's just... And, yeah, Big Fish was just completely different cinematic style. Because oh, everybody thinks they about, done. like... Yeah. Every scissor hand. Yeah. They think about... Yeah. Everything, and... Everything's so dark, yeah. so gothic, so grim. This was bright. It was colorful. It was whimsical. Um, so... Yeah, well, <laughs> we've really gone off the rails, but that's all right. Um, but I guess if you have not seen Big Fish, check it out. Yes, <laughs> it's really right, good. Well, now that we're off the rails uh, again, which tends to be the theme of our episode, which is fine. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's a good segue for us to talk about our geek wreck of this week. It's time for the geek wreck of the week. What are the geeks going to recommend? I guess I have kind of already done it. <laughs> Which one was that? Well, I'd say, yeah, Big Fish, check that out. Also, yeah. so, go for it. Big Fish, oh, yeah, phenomenal movie. Um, so my wreck of the week, and it hasn't shown up yet, and so I'm, I'm giving a preemptive wreck of the week, hoping it comes in as good quality as I bought a new ring. I'm not a big person for jewelry, but I found this website called Unlocked. Hmm. And they make 18 carats gold-plated rings for the video game enthusiast. Mm. So this one's got the Assassin's Creed logo on a tungsten band. They've got God of War, Zelda, Half-Life, Halo, which is little emblems from the series. Oh, nice. So um, that's my rec this week. It should be in the should be here shortly, and then we'll tell you if I actually really do like it or not. Yeah, well, I mean, sounds interesting. All right, folks. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. It's the only podcast where, like I said, where us geeks drink, talk about our top of the week. <laughs> get and way off track. Get way off track. But, I mean, what geek doesn't get off track? I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, before you uh, hang up your headphones and turn off this episode, make sure you follow... Subscribe, like, comment, review, discuss on all of our social media platforms at Geek Drink Pod. Yes. Um, and hopefully, I think at this point, we're going to be really close to the end of The Last of Us. So 
be on lookout for that coming out as soon as that wraps. <clears throat> yeah, we'll do uh, we'll do an episode. We just wanted to finish it. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. It'd be really we didn't hard. want it to be a thing where we just talk about each episode, um, but it is highly. Um, highly recommended by both matt and myself um it's sad beautiful funny um but we just wanted to make sure that uh we consume the entire thing and yeah. um we can report back to you with our findings <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you again folks for joining us on this week's episode Make sure you have a great geek week. Yes. Have a great week. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Tune in next week to see what our geeky host will discuss next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.